That was great, amen? Praise the Lord. <clears throat> well, it's good to be up here in Canada with y'all. And uh, y'all, you don't say that up here, do you? All right. Luke chapter number two. Luke chapter number two. We've enjoyed ourselves. Brother Vic and I are honored to be here. And uh, I just, it's just been good to be here in the house of the Lord. Um, I want to bring you a message tonight, Luke chapter number two, and I'm going to get right into it. And uh, I thought for a little while, Brother Mike was going to preach my message there tonight. He was getting on it. Uh, look at verse 41 with me. And uh, now his parents, talking about the parents of Jesus, Mary and Joseph, went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. We know this is in the spring of the year. And um, when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. Now, you know, Galilee is in the north and Jerusalem's in the south. And uh, we would say, if we're going south, we go down. If we're going from the south to north, we go up. But in the Bible, whenever anybody's going to Jerusalem, they go up. And uh, I think there's two reasons for one. One reason, the elevation, because it's up on seven mountains, but it's a spiritual thing. That it's, a, it's a, a going up, a lifting up when we go to Jerusalem where God is, the city of God. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. It came to pass after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, how is it that you sought me? Wished you not or knew you not that I must be about my father's business. And they understood not the saying which he spoke unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Father, I thank you again that we can open the very word of God tonight. And Lord, we pray, God, that you would fill this place with your presence and fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I pray that you'll bless your word. Lord, I pray if there's anybody in this room tonight that doesn't know they're going to heaven, that has never been saved the Bible way, I pray tonight that they would realize that they need you more than anything else in the world. And Lord, I just pray for us tonight, save people. Lord, that you'll give us something tonight and touch our hearts tonight and move us tonight. I pray you bless this church and the pastor and these people. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I begin my message, I want to look at a couple things in this story. In verse 39, it says, when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord. When they're talking in this verse, Jesus is eight days old. And in verse 42, when he was 12 year old, they went up to Jerusalem. So in just that little couple verses there, uh, 12 years passes. 
We have Jesus going from an infant to a young boy, and we will not see Jesus in the Bible again until Matthew chapter 3, at 30 years old, he begins his earthly ministry with his baptism. We'll see him being baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. This is the last time in the Bible we'll see Joseph's. We just assume that the Lord took Joseph somewhere between the time Jesus was 12 years old and 30 years old. Look in verse 48. Mary says, son, why hast thou dealt with us this way? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said, how is it you sought me? Wish you not that I must be about my father's business? Notice how God, notice how the Holy Spirit protects the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mary says, uh, behold, thy father and I have sought thee. And notice father is spelt with a little F because it's talking about Joseph. But when Jesus says, I must be about my father's business, it's a big F because his father is God the father. His father is deity. And the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, is deity. Notice also in verse 44, they supposing him to have been in the company. When they left Jerusalem, they just assumed that Jesus was with him. They just took it for granted that he was going to be there with them, his, his presence. And then notice also in verse 51, he was subject unto them. He's under authority. Joseph was not Jesus's biological father. He wasn't his real father, but he still obeyed Joseph and he still obeyed Mary. And in this age we live in with his and hers and ours, we get into some hard situations. But the Bible gives us clear instruction as far as how we're supposed to treat our parents and how we're supposed to respect authority. And then he says this, I must be about my father's business. I mentioned this last night, but Jesus at 12 years old was about his father's business. What is the father's business? The father's business is redemption. God has two great works, creation and redemption. And the Lord came here to die for our sins on the cross and to be raised again the third day and ascend up to heaven and pay for our sin. So I want to preach tonight. And the title of my message is Losing Jesus. Losing Jesus. Notice here, they supposing him to have been in the company went a day's journey and sought him among their kinfolk an acquaintance, and they found him not. Here's Mary and Joseph and Jesus, and they're down there in Jerusalem, and they pack up and leave, and they lose Jesus. Now, I hope you understand, I hope you know, you can't lose your salvation. John 10, 27, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life and they should never perish. 
Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. So we can't lose our salvation. You only get saved once, but you do have to be saved once. You don't get born again and again and again, but you must be born again. So how did they lose Jesus? Well, they lost him physically. How could we lose Jesus? Keep your finger here. We're going to come back. But go to Revelation chapter number two. In Revelation chapter number two, the Lord is speaking about the seven churches. And in Revelation two, he's talking about the church at Ephesus. And he's commending this church. This is a good church. This is a great church. And he says in verse two, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou cannot bear them which are evil. Now has tried them which say they are apostles and are not and has found them liars and has borne and has patience and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. So he's commending this church. He's complimenting this church. But then in verse four, he says this, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Jesus hadn't forsaken them. Jesus hadn't turned his back on them, but they didn't love the Lord the way they used to love him. And they weren't as close to the Lord as they used to be. When I'm talking about losing Jesus, I'm not talking about losing salvation and going to hell. But I am, the Bible says this, keep thine heart with all diligence. Guard your heart because out of it are the issues of life. We can get cold towards the things of the Lord. And we can get to the place in our life where we're not as close to the Lord as we used to be. And we're not as close to the Lord as we should be. And we're not as close to the Lord as we want to be. Did you ever feel like God was far away? Did you ever just feel like you weren't as close to the Lord as you ought to be? And it's easy to get into that situation. There's two things I don't ever want to get over. Number one is being married. And number two is being saved. I've been married 53 years and I love my wife more than I ever loved her before. And I've been saved for 40 some years. I don't even know how many, but I love the Lord and I want to love him more than I ever have. They asked Jesus, what's the great commandment? And they wanted to trap him. They really didn't want to know. But he just like that, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. And that's what we need to do. We need to love God with all our heart. But we can lose that closeness. We can lose that walk, and we can feel far away from God. How did they lose him? Go back to Luke chapter 2 again. In verse 44, they supposing him to have been in the company went a day's journey. They went a day's journey. How did they lose Jesus? Here's how they did it. They went one day without him. They traveled one day without him. You don't have to do wrong 
to lose Jesus. You don't have to do wrong to lose your closeness. You don't have to do wrong to get cold toward the Lord. All you have to do is stop doing right. There's sins of commission and there's sins of omission. You don't want to neglect your Christian duties. The Christian life is a daily life. The Bible said they went a day's journey without him. Look over in Luke 9. We're going to come back to Luke 2, so don't leave your spot. In Luke chapter number 9, Jesus in verse 23 says, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That isn't what it says. He says, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. The Christian life is a daily life. You've heard the old saying, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. How do you live for God? One day at a time. One day at a time. That's how you fulfill the will of God. One day at a time. The Bible says sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just worry about doing what you're supposed to do and being what you're supposed to be today. Every day we need to walk with God. Every day we need to pray. Every day we need to read the Bible. Every day we need to praise the Lord. Every day we need to witness to somebody. I could go on and on in what we ought to do every day. I'm simply saying we walk with the Lord day by day. We don't have to worry about next year or two years from now or 10 years from now. We need to worry about right now and where we are today. When I was young, I was a paper boy. I don't, we don't have them anymore. Hardly anybody reads the paper. But I had a paper route and every day people would get the paper. And I had a man would drop off my papers and I'd fold my papers. I had a basket on my bicycle and I would go and serve my papers. Now I had two kinds of customers. And you're thinking the ones that paid and the ones that didn't pay. But I had some people, listen, they got the paper every day. They were my dailies. And then there were some people on Sunday, they had a lot of uh, coupons and special magazines. The paper was a lot bigger on Sunday. So some people, listen, they just got the paper on Sunday. They were the Sundays. Now I pastor a church and you know what I got? I got the dailies and the Sundays. There's some people come to church on Sunday. Thank God they come to church on Sunday. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, most of their time, most of their attention is spent on making a living, taking care of the kids, watching the television, playing on the computer, talking on the phone. You wouldn't go and eat on Sunday and not eat until the next Sunday. You'd be awful hungry, you'd be awful weak. And yet somehow we think we can be close to God and just spend time with God on Sunday. And a lot of times it isn't even Sunday, it's Sunday morning. My son says this, Sunday isn't game day, it's God's day. It's the Lord's day, it's not the Lord's morning. Too many churches are closed on Sunday night and the parking lot's empty. 
In these last days, we don't need less church. We need more church. Somebody say amen, right? Sometimes people will forget their Bible at church. And uh, we'll find Bibles and we have a lost and found. And, and that's understandable. Somebody will come in on Sunday and say, do you have my Bible? I left my Bible here. Or they'll call us on Monday or maybe even call us Sunday night. I, lost my, I left my Bible. Here's what scares me. Somebody comes in the next week and somebody says to them, hey, we got your Bible. Here it is. And they say, oh, did I leave that here? You got to be kidding me. Well, maybe they have another one at home. Well, maybe they don't. Maybe they just don't read their Bible like they should. I'm saying this. Listen, if you're just a one day a week Christian, you're going to be a weak Christian. We need to walk with the Lord every day. Where they lost him amazes me. Where did they lose Jesus? They lost him in the temple. They were in the temple. They were celebrating the Passover. Jesus was in there teaching the teachers. They lost him in the house of God. We say, well, you know, the prodigal, Brother Mike was talking about the prodigal. He's, he's, he's a prodigal. He's backslidden because he's in the far country and he's in the pig pen. Can I tell you something? The prodigal was not backslidden because he was in the pig pen. The prodigal was not backslidden because he was in the far country. The prodigal was in the pig pen and the prodigal was in the far country because he got backslidden in the father's house. I want you to think about that. It wasn't, you know, somebody's out of church, we say they're backslidden. Somebody goes out and does something stupid. Somebody's out, they're saved, and yet they're living like a heathen. We say, oh, that person's backslidden. We say that because they're out there doing what they're doing. But the truth of the matter is, they got backslidden before they ever went out there. The elder brother was just as backslidden. His heart was just as cold. He just never went out into the far country. So here's what I'm saying. Being in church is a great thing. But it doesn't make you immune to losing Jesus and losing that closeness. You can get cold as a rock just sitting right in church. I know a lot of bitter, hard people that don't ever miss a church service. It's a thing to beware of. It's a thing to be concerned about. We need to keep our hearts right. The backslider in heart should be filled with his own ways, the Bible says. At the heart of every problem is a problem of the heart. Who lost him? We see they lost him by traveling without him. They went without him. They, they left him out of their daily life. We see they lost him. The last place you'd ever think they'd lose him, they lost him being in the temple. Who lost him? The last people in the world that you would think were losing. Mary and Joseph. Here's Mary and Joseph. Chosen people. Chosen vessels. And they lost Jesus. John the Baptist lost him. Go ask him. Is he the one? Or should we look for another? We're talking about John. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. 
He must increase, but I must decrease. Are you kidding me, John? Is he the one? How about Peter? Peter's always listed first. Peter is up on the Mount of Transfiguration and he sees Jesus transformed in front of him. He's part of the inner circle, Peter, James, and John. He's not just one of the 12, he's one of the three. And here's Peter, I go fishing. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying if Mary and Joseph could lose him and if John the Baptist could lose him and if Peter could lose him, you think you couldn't lose him? Romans chapter 12, again, holding our finger in Luke 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me, to every man that is among you, look at this, not to think of himself, more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Oh, I can never lose Jesus. Oh, I'd never get cold hearted. Oh, I'd never get backslidden. Better be careful. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. If they could, we could. How did they find him again? They did two things. Number one, they stopped traveling without him. They stopped traveling without him. We have our phones now. We have our, our, our little maps in our phones. But in the day, I can remember I would go down some road. And I started thinking, man, I don't think this is the way. This thing doesn't look right. But I'm all the way down here. I don't, I don't want to turn around now. So you just keep going and going and going. And you know what? The further you go, the longer you go the further out of the, where you're supposed to be you are. So the first thing is you stop traveling without him. And then secondly, they came back to where he was. Isaiah 55 says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, because he will abundantly pardon. If you feel far away from God tonight, you need to come back. You need to come down to this altar and you need to pray and say, God, I, I want to be close to you. I, I want to I know you. I want to feel you. I want to I be right with you. So they found him by coming back to where he was. Now think about this. How long did they travel without him? One day. Says they supposing being a company went a day's journey without him. And then verse 45, when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. And it came to pass after three days, they found him in the temple. It only took one day to lose him, but it took them three days to find him. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying it's easier to get out of the will of God than get back in. It's easier to get out of the will of God than it is to get back in. There's people in the Bible sought repentance with tears and couldn't find it. 
It's a scary thing. We shouldn't have some flippant attitude like we can just do anything we want and then whenever we feel like saying we're sorry, everything's going to be great again. You know, the, the prodigal came home and, and I love the song, the father ran to him and he put the best robe on him and, and he restored him. He did a lot of things, but I want to tell you something. Things were never the way they were before. There was a lot of things that never got straightened out. There's some things you can fix and there's some things you can't fix. My wife and I and another couple went down to shore. That's the ocean. And we had uh, two air mattresses. The guy's name was Fred. And it was me and Fred. And we got on these air mattresses. And we started paddling out into the ocean. We went out through the breakers. And once you got through the breakers, man, you just kind of, the current just kind of took you. And we're out there floating along. And all of a sudden, I realized I couldn't see the shore anymore. I mean, we're out there on these air, just little things, just little, whatever, they're, air mattresses. And we go up on a wave and we could see our wives on the beach, like waving to us, like, come in, come in, come in. And we started paddling in, but you know what? We couldn't get in because that current, when we went with that current, it just, it was just, man, you just went with the current, but now we're going against the current. And we struggled and struggled and struggled. And I'm telling you, man, we, I was scared. I kept thinking, if this thing leaks, I'm done. We finally got in. But it was a struggle. Some people that get out of the will of God never do get back. They never do get back. It's a scary thing to get away from God. It's a scary thing when I see people walk away from God. My wife and I went to Oklahoma. I went out there to do a wedding. And we're in Oklahoma. I'd never been to Oklahoma before. We're in a little church with about 60 people. We're sitting in the front row. I'm getting ready to do the wedding. And I said, I I know the piano player. My wife looks at me. You don't know the piano player. You know. I said, I know the piano player. She says, who is it? I said, I don't know who it is, but I know I know him. And uh, so we had the wedding, the piano player played, I did the wedding. We went downstairs and the piano player come up to me and said, hello, Brother Clark. And I said, you know, I looked at my wife, see? (laughs) I do know her. And uh, it turned out that she was married to a pastor in Pennsylvania. And the last time I saw her husband, I was at a meeting preaching and he come up to me and he shook my hand. He said, Brother Clark, I'm praying for you. I'm just, just know I'm praying for you. I said, what are you doing out here in Oklahoma? And she told me her husband's name and she said, he got involved with some woman in the church and he packed all my stuff in the U-Haul and he drove it out here. This is where my mom and father live and this is where I'm from. And he went off with this woman. Well, he ended up joining the army. And about six months later, the lady who I'd married came to me and she said, did you hear about so-and-so? And I said, what happened? She said he got killed in Afghanistan. Now, on one hand, you know, you have an American soldier and he gave his life for his country. But I'm thinking to myself, you know, if he hadn't gone out of the will of God, he wouldn't have been in the army. And if he wasn't in the army, he wouldn't go into Afghanistan. And he'd probably still be alive. I had another friend. I'm talking about preachers. Not even telling you the story is just other kind of people. I used to preach in 
Charlotte, North Carolina every year. Every fall, I had a friend of mine and he would call me and he'd invite me down. I'd preach a revival meeting. Just probably about 25 people in the church, just a little country church. And one year he didn't call me and I thought, well, you know, he wants somebody else, mix it up a little bit. I didn't think much of it. And then his brother-in-law called me. And she, he said, you need to talk to Joe. He was working a job and he got involved with a lady. He left his wife, he left his kids. I tried to get him on the phone. I didn't get him. And then I lost his number. And I, lost, I didn't have the brother-in-law's number. Didn't have any way to get a hold of him. I went to a uh, tournament that our school was having. And the lady that was taking the tickets for the food was a lady that had been in that little church in Charlotte, North Carolina. You're talking about a coincidence, about 25 people. She ends up in the tournament and I'm at the tournament. And hey, you know, we exchange, hello, hello, Brother Clark, hello, Mrs. Shepherd. And uh, she says, I guess you heard about Joe. And I said, yeah, it's, it's, it's really a shame. I said, if you have his number, give it to me because I need to call him. She said, I guess you haven't heard about Joe. I said, well, what happened? She said, well, he got in a fight with his girlfriend and the girlfriend called the police on him. So he jumped on his truck and left. About an hour later, he came back, beeped the horn, stood in the front lawn, put the gun in his mouth and pulled the trigger. Now, I could tell you more stories. I could sit here just about all night telling you about stories, listen to me, of people that never did get back. The best thing is don't get out of the will of God. Then you don't have to worry about getting back. The further you go, the longer you stay, the harder it is to get back. Where did they find him? Where did they find him? My son, Michael, he's sung here before and preached here before. He was about 12 years old. We loved to deer hunt. We went up what's called the Delaware Water Gap. There's a state forest along the Delaware River, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania come together. We get up there about four o'clock in the morning and we hike up into the mountains about four and a half miles. The only reason we know where we're going is because we follow a stream. I mean, it's just, it's a wilderness. We're up there, it was opening day of deer season. We hadn't gotten any deer. I told Mike, I said, Mike, get up on this big rock. He had an orange hat on, an orange coat, orange pants. I said, you get up on this rock and don't move. Don't leave here. It's afternoon. It gets dark in the mountains by about 4.30. And we got a four and a half mile walk out of the mountains. I said, I'm going to just walk around here a little bit. Maybe I'll scare a deer up to you. We'd done that before. So I walked around and I didn't hear him shoot. So I thought I would walk a little further. So I walked a little further. And I walked a little further. You know what? Pretty soon it's almost, you know, it's just starting to get darker. And every tree looks the same and every rock looks the same. And being lost didn't scare me. But I didn't know where he was. And I started hollering and he didn't answer. And I started literally just, just running, just thinking it's going down below zero up in the mountains. He's 12 years old. He don't know where I am. I don't know if he knows where the car is. And I, I was panic stricken. 
And finally, I saw a dot of orange, just a dot. And I went over and there he was. I was so relieved. I was so relieved. I was so relieved. I was so happy. You know where I found him? Right where I left him. He didn't move an inch. You know where they found Jesus? Right where they left him. He was in the temple teaching the doctors. You know where you're going to find the Lord? Right where you left him. Back there when you stopped praying or stopped reading your Bible or maybe you got bitter or maybe you got critical. Think about it. If you want to be as close to the Lord as you used to be, if you want your relationship to Lord to be what it used to be, go back to where you left him and do what you used to do. Look in Revelation chapter two. Verse four. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. Thou hast left thy first love. Notice this church is doing everything they ever did. Do you notice that? I mean, they, they, he, he's commending them with all the good work they're doing. The problem isn't what they're doing. The problem is with their heart. They got a heart problem. They're doing all the right things. It's their heart that didn't write. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, the way it used to be, how close you used to be, how excited you used to be, how involved you used to be, how happy you used to be, and repent and do the first works, or else I'll come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick. If you get away from the Lord, if you're not as close to the Lord, as you ought to be or you want to be or used to be. Remember this, he's where he always was. The Bible says, draw nigh to God, James chapter four. Draw nigh to God and God will draw nigh to you. If you're not saved, you need to get saved. You need to be born again or you'll die and go to hell. But if you're saved and you're not as close as you want to be, let me encourage you tonight to draw close to God. And if you draw close to God, he will draw close to you. I wanna be close to God. I wanna be in love with God. I wanna walk with God. I don't wanna be far away from God. Let's stand, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. How many folks in this room tonight, before God, you could raise your hand and say, preacher, if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. I know I'm saved. Would you lift your hand up? Nobody's looking around the room. You can put your hand down. I wonder if there's somebody here tonight and you know in your heart, you're not saved. You don't have Christ as your savior. You haven't come to the Lord and asked him to forgive your sin and save your soul. I wonder if there's somebody here tonight and you'd lift your hand and say, preacher, I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven and I don't know if I'm saved. In fact, I don't think I'm saved, but I know I need to be. Pray for me. Anybody like that tonight? Anybody in the room? I wonder, Christian, do you need to draw close to God tonight? 
You need to put God first in your life. You need to pray. You need to get in the word of God. You got some things in your life you might want to confess. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Father, bless this invitation in Jesus' name. Amen, preacher.